0: It's time Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station.
1: It's the sports, sports Rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Got win. Three ball, that's landless. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, eleven yards touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible. Over them, one. Well, you're half right. What is this? Amateur hour! This is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest sound. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Y'all ready for this? Thank God it's... <laughs>
2: All right, turn off those office lights, lock the door. It's time to take you home for the weekend here on the Sports Rush. Your local daily sports fix here on 1380 the Fan, 100.9 FM. Adam Lundy is my trusty co-pilot. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith, sitting in for Brett Rump, who will join us here in about 50 minutes for the games down in Bluffton tonight, sectional games. First one, Blackhawk-Christian taking on Adams Central. About oh, 5.50 there with a pregame 6 o'clock week is go time, so we'll get to Brett there shortly. Good first hour. Second hour will not disappoint. Zach Osterman from the Indiana Star to talk a little bit of IU basketball and IU football. That's right, fans. I said IU football. Woo. The Kurt Signetti era will start March 18th with spring football, and there's an excitement around the program like I've never seen before, and let me tell you, Adam, he has eight home games as his first season as head coach at Indiana. Eight home games. That's oh, crazy. That helps. That helps. And then we we cannot forget that we're going to wrap up today with Mr.
3: Shane Albarani. Talk a little Comet hockey. They're in Toledo. Yes, sir. Getting ready to take on the fish. Yeah, it was nice to talk to uh, Sid yep. earlier this week when you were guest hosting. Yeah,
2: Sean Sidlowski. Going to surpass Robbie Laird this weekend for the 10th spot in games played as a Fort Wayne Comet. 520 for
3: Mr. Sean Sidlowski. One of your childhood uh, idols. Not Sidlowski, but... Robbie Laird. And I've always
2: compared Sid to him in in that arena because they thought they both shared some of the same talents on the ice. And I would suspect off the ice as well. But Shane will give us a little insight against Toledo tonight and then two tough home games. You got the Indy Indy coming in on Saturday night. Or, I'm sorry, back that up. Wheeling on Saturday night. Indy on Sunday. Saturday is, I believe, trying report card night for the Comets. There'll be a big crowd there. Yep, it is. And uh, we'll get Shane's take on this weekend because this is a huge weekend as the Kalamazoo Wings are out of conference out in Newfoundland, taking on the Growlers. So no one will gain any points if KZ wins because they will not be playing a conference foe this weekend. We talked a little bit about the NFL Combine going on today. DBs and tight ends are on the clock. Quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs are on Saturday. Williams, Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC, will not be working out. No. There was a, a report, <laughs> a report that said he was holding court at yeah. the combine. I guess telling them, people what he was or wasn't going to do. But there were some impressive and m- impressive times there at the combine oh, yeah. uh, for the linebacker group. That was just the most recent ones, and I thought, you know, linebackers Peyton Wilson from North Carolina State ran a four-four-three. Uh Deloach from Florida State 447. Cooper from Texas 451. So you see in these linebackers they're running sub four fives. Oh yeah. And uh that just tells you how fast some of these cats are. And even the defensive ends. I mean, Dallas Turner from Alabama. Yep. He's a stud. 446, Robinson from Penn State, 448. Again. These are guys that are coming off the edge going against these big tackles. No wonder they can't pass protect. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I mean, it's a mismatch from the word go.
3: Yeah, you see some of these 40 times, and they do the uh, the matchup compared to past players. And oh, yeah. you, you see players in this combine just, you know, dusting players like Nick Bosa mm-hmm. in their 40 times. And it's just like, these guys are just yeah. gu- gunning after the quarterback. Yeah,
2: yeah. And – uh you know, Bowers is performing this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Colts, I'm sure, are very interested in watching him. Oh,
3: definitely. I don't know if you saw, but uh, he talked to media a little bit about that. He did confirm that he interviewed with the Colts. Yeah. And he said that there was about 15 to 20 people from the Col- Colts franchise in the room when he had oh, their meeting. Why not? Why not? Yeah, They're-
2: that kid's a – I think he's a difference maker. I think he makes the Colts immediately better at that position because of what Shane Steich in offense – Affords him to do with him. The question is, can the Colts secure that pick? We'll shall see. Big sectional games, what like we talked about tonight. Not oh, yeah. only down in Bluffton, but up at Homestead. You got Wayne and Homestead there taking on New Haven and Columbia City, respectively. So a big night, just a huge night in high school f- basketball tonight. Tomorrow night, you got Robert Morris coming into Purdue Fort Wayne. Yep. You got Purdue at Michigan State. Oh, man. I mean, it's just crazy. So there's – and plus the Comets are at home Saturday night. So there's really a ton of things for us Summit Cityers to get out and do what we want to do this Saturday night and Mm -hmm. tonight, for that matter.
3: And since the Comets will be at home on Saturday night, friendly reminder that if you do want to go support the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons in their last regular season home game tomorrow night against Robert Morris, it will be at the Gates Center. And Not, on right. campus Got, at Purdue-Fort Wayne. It'll
2: be at the Gate Center, and that game will be stream, om, uh, stream only. Yes, it'll Thir- be... 138ofthefan.com, 645 pregame. Yep. You can hear Mr. Brett Rump. Prior to coming on, and we've talked about this pretty much all week, it's been the number one, I'd say, subject of talk in uh, the sports arena outside of the Combine is this injunction down in Tennessee mm-hmm. that for the NIL that put, placed an injunction on the NCAA from seeking to penalize Tennessee. And it has to do with collectives, third-party of collectives. Now, the schools cannot have anything to do with collectives. They are outside the scope of the institution. Uh, long of the short of it, it allows collectives to talk to high school players and transfer portal guys and essentially talk about their value even before they could come on campus and what they can do for them. Mm-hmm. So not only will this benefit the, t- the schools in Tennessee, the NCA said today that they will not start any more investigations as it pertains to the collectives until after the law uh, suit is settled in uh, Tennessee and the judge and... The lawyers can come up with a solution. That was from the NCA president, Charlie Baker, who's in probably the most, I don't know, craziest position as the president of the NCA with everything that's occurring around this, not only conference realignment, NIL, collectives, all these things. But they said that they're not going to force any, uh, doing any enforcement of the rule that prevented these uh, entities, collectives from doing Uh, Any type of, I guess you could say in some respects, tampering and talking with high school seniors as well as portal transfers. The portal is probably more concerning because that's where you get the phone call. Hey, if so-and-so comes in the portal, this is what we can pay him. Mm -hmm. And that's where things, I think, it's comes the wild, wild west. We'll see what all transpires from that as well. Yeah. Remember Parkview Sports Matter text, parts, sp- View Sports Medicine Text Line four six eight six two Got a issue or just want to say hi? Please give us a text. <laughs> uh, we've had some great ones over the week. I think there was one about me ironing my shirts or something to that effect but yeah i got a i i got a kick out of that i thought that was a good one so uh to answer the questions no i don't iron my shirts i wear pullover or pullovers most of the time and my wife does all that thank god <laughs> but uh you know i think it's time to get over to you adam Lundy, because i'm sure you've got some excellent sports headlines for this friday afternoon
3: You bet, Shannon. Well, the NCAA Football Rules Committee this week is likely to propose the use of coach-to-player sideline communications, what are widely known as helmet comms, giving the coaches the ability to talk to players through wireless helmet technology, which has been used by the NFL for quarterbacks since 1994. Thirty years later, it appears as if the time has finally come for college football to adopt the technology. Cam Newton apologized for his role in a scuffle at a 7-on-7 youth football tournament over the weekend, saying, quote, there's no excuse for his actions. Speaking about the incident on an episode of his YouTube show that was published today, Newton said he, quote, let my emotions get the best of me. It should not have been called for simple. And with that, I apologize to anybody affected, end quote. Newton said naming any event organizers, players, and parents among those he was issuing his apology to. And talking about that NFL Combine, quarterback Caleb Williams today was asked whether he would feel disappointed if he didn't hear his name called by the Chicago Bears at the top of the draft order. Quote, it's not a thought in my mind, Williams said. Quote, I don't think that I'm not going to be number one. I think I put in all the hard work, all the time, effort, energy into being that. I don't think of a plan B. Those are your top stories for today, Shannon.
2: Absolutely. I like the one about the NCAA and the in-helmet uh, yeah. communications. I think it's a long time coming. I don't know why they haven't had it sooner. It took the Spygate in the NCAA that's kind of quietly gone away since Harbaugh has left and gone to the Chargers, but there's still a lit- uh, little bit of a- investigation as- aspects with that. But I like the fact that they're putting uh, the communication in the quarterback's ears um, and I think that will it's just solidify yeah. all the crazy sign- signs that you see held up during the game <laughs> to try to confuse the opponent. Right, They are funny at times, but anyway, I think that one long overdue, and I think it's going to be a big, big help to offensive football. Uh, The question is, will they let the defensive pe- people put it in their helmets? Because that will be the next complaint. Why does the offense get it and not the defense? So that'll be an interesting Mm -hmm. thing to follow along with. Mm -hmm. Hey, when we come back after this break, we're going to talk to Zach Osterman a little bit of Indiana basketball, the most recent win, and what they've got ahead of them here this weekend and the early part of next week or so. And that's right. A little bit of spring football is in the air for the Hoosiers. March 18th, Coach Signetti is going to have his first spring practice down in Bloomington on the 18th. We'll talk to Zach about that a little bit, all right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on a Friday afternoon, 520-ish, I would say. And uh, we spoke about the Hoosier win over Wisconsin on Wednesday, Adam and I, and we laid out the positives and also the concerns still moving forward. But we need to get that opinion of Indy Sports writer and IU beat writer Zach Osterman, who joins us on the hotline. You know, Zach, it was a great win for the Hoosiers. But I want you to finish the the answer after the but in terms of the Hoosiers win on Wednesday over Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I I mean, I thought Indiana deserved a win. I thought they were a better team. Um, obviously they kind of raced to that early lead and, and, you know, Wisconsin kind of claws it back. I I don't think it's controversial to say Wisconsin's probably still a better team overall at this point. So it's not surprising to see that. But the flip side is, you know, Indiana's kind of the team that that makes, you know, all the key plays down the stretch and um, had some really, really good, I thought, possessions in the last three, four minutes of the game. I thought Kahlil Ware was great throughout. I thought Trey Galloway, you know, I went back and looked at the box where he only had six points, but he assisted four of Indiana's last five field goals and scored the fifth one himself. So that's kind of what you want a senior captain, uh, you know, pretty much at this point, de facto point guard doing. I think, if you know, it's more of the bigger picture, and, and I understand anyone who kind of points out the bigger picture, which is, you know, we, we we sort of felt like that Iowa game might be a bit of a turning point for Indiana, and then, you know, they they, they, they kind of flop over against Penn State. We felt like the Ohio State game on the road might be a bit of a turning point for Indiana, and then they lose four in a row. Mike Woods's you know, the, the word he used was, you know, we've got to validate this Wisconsin win by backing it up with good performances here toward the end of the season. And it's just kind of a question of, you know, can Indiana do that? When, you know, let's let's be fair, um, we haven't seen them really do that very often this season. They have not won two games in a row, against high-major competition since uh, they beat Maryland and Michigan to start a Big Ten play back in December. So it's you know it's, it's kind of a question of even if it's maybe too late for this to sort of unfold as like a, a piece of an NCAA tournament run or something like that, can we see Indiana sort of build on this progress in a positive way
1: before the season's over?
2: No, absolutely. I think the one thing that that I thought, and it kind of goes back to your Galloway comment, there was a little mental toughness that showed that I think had not shown shown in previous games uh, or a resiliency about the ball club after the uh, you know the unwanted timeout for a fire alarm um, because I think everybody thought well that's it they're going to you know IU will have trouble now uh, but they they played well and you said they made some great strides there I in the latter parts of that ball game. Uh, they go on the road, play at Maryland, Sunny, Minnesota Wednesday, and finish at home versus Michigan State. Those are three tough ball games, but heading into that potential end of that tourney, can they get on a run where they may go through these three opponents, even though with two of them on the road, and get themselves in a position where maybe, just maybe, they can do enough to impress the committee of the NCAA.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't think um, – I think they're still a, a really long way from the tournament. I think – you know, listen, there's a – let's live in a world for a moment where they do win these last three games. And, I mean, I, I think they're going to be um, the underdog in all three, but it is worth saying they beat Maryland and Minnesota both pretty comfortably at home earlier in the season. Neither Maryland nor Minnesota is necessarily pulling up a ton of trees right now themselves. And then Michigan State at home on senior day. You know, you're always going to have a good crowd and if you can kind of harness power assembly halls, it's not like the craziest thing in the world to imagine Indiana winning these three, um, beyond the fact that, as I said, we have not seen that kind of consistency from this team this season, but we have maybe, I guess probably what would be fair to say is this team has the ability to win each of these games. Uh, I think that is probably fair to say if they can win on the road at Michigan and Ohio State. If they can do what they did at home against Minnesota, what they did at home against Maryland, what they did at home against Wisconsin, they can win each of these three games. It's a question of building the consistency that we just haven't seen all season to win all three in a row. There's a world where if they did that, um, you know, all three of these games would be quad one wins. Maryland and Minnesota, last time I checked the net. We're both kind of floating around uh, in the, I think, I'll look at it right now, Minnesota 76, Maryland is 70. Um, uh, road games, quad one, road wins, or anything in the net, top 75. So both of those, you know, both of those games are potential. Quad one opportunities right in that sort of, right on that cut line. And then Michigan State, quad one at home is top 30. Michigan State's 24th right now in the net. So, like, yeah, there's a world where Indiana could add, if it did win all three of these games and things broke the right way, three quad one wins, and then suddenly we're talking about an Indiana team that's got, uh, at least this thing stand right now, nine quad one and two wins, only one loss in quad three or four. I think that's the Penn State loss at home. Um, And and you wouldn't, you know, just that data point alone would maybe give Indiana at least some, you know, sort of positive momentum. The difficulty Indiana is sort of facing right now, as much as anything, is their computer rankings just are nowhere near what they would need to be from a resume perspective. They're 101 in Kim Palm. They're 105 in the net. Um, obviously, those rankings would improve if they were to win those games, but you'd still be looking at a situation where, for example, in all likelihood, Indiana wouldn't have a road win against an NCAA tournament team. In fact. If we sat here and just counted up Indiana's total number of wins against NCAA tournament teams, or likely NCAA tournament teams, it'd probably still be in this scenario where they went out two, and that'd be Wisconsin and Michigan State at home. And the, a big part of the reason why uh, the computers don't like Indiana is their efficiency. They are just not an efficient team at either end. A lot of the games that they won, you know, that they've won, whether it's the early season games against some of their guarantee opponents, or in conference play, they've won close. When you think about the two Ohio State wins, the Iowa win, the Wisconsin win. And a lot of the games they have lost, they have lost heavy. And this is, you know, kind of one of those things that um I, I know Scott Van Pelt kinda of did the I thought a really good uh piece kind of talking about the Big Twelves approach and kind of scheduling in, in a way as a collective conference in the non conference that will allow everybody to boost their their efficiency numbers and then that would kind of raise everybody's net ranking and make conference play so much more productive because almost every game you'd be playing, you know, it seemingly would be a quad one. Indiana's kind of the opposite where the efficiency numbers have just not been there at all. That has depressed badly their computer rankings. And I don't think winning, you know, three games in a row here at the end of the season would do much in the committee's eyes. I think, You know, if if we're talking about, like, what's is is there any path to Indiana being on the bubble on Selection Sunday beyond, obviously they wouldn't be on the bubble if they just won the Big Ten Tournament, I think we would probably be talking about Indiana having to win these three games, having to win. At that point, they would almost certainly start Big Ten Tournament play on Thursday. Having to win Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, putting in a good performance Sunday, I think they would need all three of those wins in Minneapolis to be quality wins. Like, I don't think they could wind up in a situation where, you know, they were, they ran into Rutgers in the Big Ten semifinal or something like that. And hey, they won the game, but that's not really a very high quality win. And I think they probably also still need help, you know, elsewhere in terms of maybe yeah. some other bubble teams really kind of falling over. So to, to be honest, the to, to be, be too long didn't read version of this is <laughs> I still think the only even remotely reasonable path for Indiana in the NCAA tournament is probably winning the Big Ten tournament. But, listen, if they won these last three and then they did win three in a row in Minneapolis, you'd at least be curious about where they'd be. At that point, they'd have 21 wins. Presumably, they'd have added a fair bit of quad one HEP. They probably would have added some neutral court wins over likely NCAA tournament teams, just on the balance of probability. Um, I do think it's, it's still probably... a. Yeah, a pretty long shot.
2: Well, now everybody's has been or talking about the start of Indiana football, something that we haven't heard in many, many years is the excitement for spring practices to begin here on March 18th. Coach Signetti and his staff ready to roll on the 18th. And if you were looking at a couple things you would be looking for going into this spring and what you would like to see coming out of it, kind of like elaborate in a short period because I'm up against a heartbreak here shortly uh, what that is you're looking for
0: I think there's a there's a couple things um, for me I mean one is just at the risk of oversimplifying just listen it, it's a it's a hugely new roster it's new coordinators. Um, you know, I mean, even to the extent that you think about when Indiana went from Kevin Wilson to Tom Allen, there was still some carryover, you know, you mm-hmm. still recognize the defense, for example, obviously there was a lot of offensive turnover, but you didn't have, that wasn't the portal era. So you didn't have this massive turnover, of, you know, in offensive position groups. So like, there's just a little bit of like, Hey, if we can get into practice at all, and I don't know if Gertrude will open it or not, like just what does it look like? What does it feel like? What's the vibe? What's the approach? all these new faces, et cetera. I think the other one that I am curious about I wrote about this week is the quarterback battle. Obviously, I think a lot of people expect Curtis Rourke to be prominent there, the Ohio transfer who did so well for about kind of two and a half, three seasons in the MAC. He had the injury that limited him in his senior year. Taven Jackson is also back there. The one that I wrote about this week that I'm curious about, Tyler Cherry. I think Kurt Cignetti really likes him. He's a true freshman. Indiana does have more experienced options, but Signetti will be quick to tell you, he picked Philip Rivers as a quarterback's coach as a true freshman at NC State. He picked a kid named Davis Cheek as a true freshman. When he got to Elon, Cheek wound up having one of the best careers for a quarterback in, in Elon history. He's not been afraid of going with true freshmen in the past. If he thinks that's the best option, he clearly likes Cherry. Some of the people that I know that I trust most in kind of the high school talent evaluation piece of this, really like Cherry. I'm just kind of curious to see what all that looks like, because we can have all these other conversations about all the new mm-hmm. receivers and the remade offensive line and all this stuff. But Signetti will tell you this, any coach will. It all starts at quarterback.
2: Absolutely. No question at all there. And I agree with the kind of that summary of what to kind of expect here looking at spring practice and maybe how Tyler Cherry stacks up. The one thing they have to be concerned about is this portal is still open, good, bad, or indifferent. And whatever happens at that quarterback position, you could see some more movement there potentially if things don't shake out the way some of those backups and players that are there now uh, don't feel like it's an opportunity for them to consider staying at IU. But, Zach, appreciate your insight today. We'll catch you next week, I'm sure, to get the rundown on the Maryland ball game prior to Minnesota. Safe travels if you're heading out. We'll talk to you later, my friend.
0: Sounds
2: good. Thanks for having me, as always. All right. Zach Osterman, Indiana beat writer for the Indy Sports, does a very good job for us. We're going to step out. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Shane albarati as the Comets head for a big three-game weekend. And we're going to get all the insights when we come back on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Now back to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. almost home here on a Friday night right here on the Sports Rush. Comets are heading back to Toledo where they won on Sunday. And what was at times a weird game because the Comets at one time I think only were in single digits on shots on goal but had the lead. So we'll take that same result tonight because it doesn't matter what it looks like. It just depends on if you score more goals than the guys that you're playing against. Then they come home for two big games, Wheeling and Indianapolis, and those are going to be some rough and tumble hockey games. I'm setting the dance card right now for Diamond Hands. Sean Boomhauer, round two, Saturday night, and Cameron from Indiana, first rounder. There it is, bank it. But here's the man that's going to tell me if I got it right or wrong. Joining us on the hotline is Shane Alberani to get us all geared up for tonight in the fish tank. Shane, how you doing, my man?
1: Hey, coach,
2: doing well. Hey, I set the dance card for Diamond Hands, so it's all set <laughs> and done. And but one big thing tonight: had Sean Stolowski on Wednesday night. Tonight he dresses for the f- 520th game as a Fort Wayne Comet. I believe that is a great and at the, at the same time unheard of feat in today's minor league hockey. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely, no. It's uh, another uh another big night for for sean you know he, he got his 500 point this year uh you know he, he's just climbing up those all-time lists And like you said it's unheard of nowadays we'll probably never see it again unless things go back to the way they used to be but no, 520 games uh regular season games for sit tonight that ties him with robbie laird uh for 10th all-time uh in combat history so obviously uh he'll move past them uh here maybe this weekend so uh Uh, yeah, I know it's another great historical night. It's it's fitting that he does something like that here in Toledo.
2: Well, no question. And I told him as a youngster, I admired Robbie Laird growing up here in the Summit City playing hockey out at McMillan, and I thought Sean Sidlowski really reminds me a lot of Robbie Laird. And that's my opinion. Maybe there's others out there that disagree, but Good for – I'm hoping Sean has a great weekend tonight because we're going to need it. But some good news coming on the wires. Ethan Kepin is back from Hartford, who was on loan, and we signed another college player out of Ontario, Brogan O'Brien, and he's on the active roster. So possibly seeing him suit up tonight?
1: Yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, Ethan Kepin actually is en route uh, to Toledo, so it's kind of a situation whether he gets here in time. Uh, He was flying – into Detroit and uh, was going to uh, get a ride over here to Toledo. It's not that far away. So uh, he should be, as long as uh, we had no flight delays or anything coming uh, from Hartford to Detroit, he should be here. But uh, I think that's going to decide whether or not you see Broken O'Brien.
2: Tonight. Okay. Well, it's, it's good to finally get some uh, of these guys back from the AHL. We still have, you know, a few up uh, playing in the a- AHL. Of course, Wedman is still up, as is uh, – Who else is up? Refresh my memory, because right Uh, now it's... Connor
3: Connor
1: Corcoran is still with Bakersfield and Carl Berglund as well. Yeah. Um, You know, there's always been rumors about us getting Cam Wright back, who was here uh, for the first few games of the season. Uh, You know, maybe we see him uh, maybe for the stretch run. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the comments a little little banged up right now, as everybody is. But, you know, you talked about that game on Sunday night. Sometimes these shorthanded teams, you know, they, they dig deep, and that's what we did last weekend. Uh, getting two wins on the road. And that's what they're going to have to do again tonight. But, of course, getting Ethan Kepin back in the lineup, hopefully he will be here tonight, is going to be a bit of a boost.
2: Well, you kind of broke a little bit of news there about Cam Wright because I thought that was a big hit to the Ks. And getting him back and maybe making sure that he's eligible for the playoffs uh, will be a key component of that. But we shall see. Let's talk about tonight, the walleye, you know, what type of game – uh do you think we're going to see tonight against the walleye because sunday's game it was one of those games that i you would say it the bounces went fort wayne's way
1: yeah it was uh, great to have one of those games finally absolutely uh, especially in this building and uh you know the comments didn't exactly tear it up shots on goal i think you only had nine through the first two periods but like you said it just depends on uh who has the most goals at the end of the game it doesn't matter uh shots on goal so uh uh, this will be a good game because, you know what, Toledo. even though they're in first place, they're struggling here. Um, uh, Indy is now within striking distance of them, and if you look at Toledo's home record, they've lost a lot of games in shootouts and overtime here on home ice. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for those games, them picking up points, forcing overtime, they would probably be in second place right now. So uh, I think they are maybe a little panicked. Uh, you know, uh, again, they're usually play well on home ice and that hasn't really been the case though, over the last couple of months and losing that game, actually they lost both games here on home ice last weekend, one to Maine and one to the Comet. so uh, they're going to come out, uh, you know, firing here tonight, you know, they don't want to play from behind but like they do, and uh, like they've really done all season long, you've seen them get down two, three goals at a time and able to storm back, but as you know that's not going to win you any playoff games, you know, it might be good in the regular season but that's something they need to rectify and they're going to have to come out And the Comets' defense last Sunday was great. You know, didn't Mm -hmm. allow a goal. They got on the board first, and that's what they're going to have to do again tonight.
2: Yeah, I thought that last uh, week they played one of those games they needed to play. Maybe a little boring, but they were – the defense, I thought, was on – was on point, and I thought the uh, the wingers, especially coming back and helping at times, was a big difference in that in that game. Now, Wheeling is coming in as well as Indy, but I'll give a quick score update because the Kalamazoo Wings, the ones the Ks that are tied with, is up in Newfoundland with the Growlers. Right now it's a one nothing game. K-Wings are up one to nothing with about 15-20 left in the first period, and that's why these games this weekend are rarely really important for the Ks because Kalamazoo playing these non-conference games, uh, really you don't make up much ground unless they would happen to lose. And that's what you're really looking for in the Ks winning.
1: Well, actually, the Comets really just kind of need to forget about what Kalamazoo is do- doing and worry about wheeling. I think uh, if you look at the standings, the uh, the Comets and Kal- the Kalamazoo wings have got three games at hand on the Comets. So that's six points right there. So you go ahead and assume they're going to win three games, and if it's all even right now with 19 games left, they would be six points up on the Comets. But the Comets would only be down five points to Wheeling, and you've got five games against head-to-head with Wheeling. So you almost have to just forget about what Kalamazoo is doing and just worry about catching Wheeling because you can't. Because Mm -hmm. technically... They're closer to you than Kalamazoo. Wow.
2: (laughs) I never thought of it that way, but that's a good way to look at it and break it down. And Wheeling at this point in time is kind of, they were on fire their first time uh, and really (laughs) made a really impressive run. Now I think they've come back a little bit with some call-ups and injuries. So that is going to be a key game uh, Saturday night, kind of that playoff type of hockey feel.
1: Oh, it really is. It really is a playoff game. Come uh, tomorrow night at the Coliseum. Uh, there's going to be a big crowd on hand, so uh, it is report card night. So we're going to have a, a, a loud bunch in the Coliseum. Uh, so uh, get your tickets and get on out tomorrow because it will be a playoff game. Because Comet, it's almost a must win because you got five games against these guys remaining, and you're three and zero against them. So you know it is really is a must win. And depending on what they do tonight with Cincy, if they Lose the Comets win here tonight, man. It's it's a three point ball game between them and Wheeling uh, for third place. So uh, it is going to be a big, big game tomorrow.
2: Yep, and a big crowd expected. You did mention the uh, the uh, home uh, the uh, report card night, but we looked it up. The Home and Garden Show is going on, so parking wise, it's going to be a little nuts. So you better get there a little earlier than uh, than you normally do because of the Home and Garden Show also being on uh this Saturday night and they think theirs this ends at eight for theirs, so comments will be starting at seven thirty right here. We'll have that on WOW eleven ninety that night because the Purdue Michigan State game will be on ninety two point three. One last question here. Griffin Fox signs his first pro contract and by God he gets his first pro goal. How about that for that young man? Yeah, no, that,
1: that was a nice surprise. Uh you know when you get these kids out of college, you know, playing in their first pro game, I mean, a lot of times they don't get a chance to practice. And Griffin Fox did not get a chance to practice. He literally got to Port Wayne, hopped on the bus, and got into his first pro game uh, uh, in Wheeling. So, uh, you know, you don't know how they're going to react, but Griffin Fox, man, he jumped right into the plate, uh Friday or Saturday night in Wheeling, and he looked real good here uh, against uh, Toledo uh, on Sunday. So, you know what, uh, you always get those gems uh, coming out of college. A couple years ago was Mark Russell you know, mm-hmm. So maybe uh, Griffin Fox is that guy this year.
2: Well, let's hope so. Congratulations to that young man, first pro goal. Shane, good luck tonight. As always, be listening to you in the comments, hoping for a big win here in Toledo. Safe travels back, and we'll catch you Saturday at home.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, brother.
2: All right. We'll see you. Shane Albarani, the voice of your Fort Wayne Comets, as the Ks take on the Toledo walleye in the fish tank tonight. I believe their home games start at 715, if memory serves me correct. So Shane Albrani will have that call here on 1190 WoWO. And we're going to take a break. We're going to come back after this, wrap everything up, and get it all sent out to Mr. Brett Rump out at Bluffton as they get ready for the sectionals tonight right here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on a Friday afternoon. Want to thank all the guests today: Shane Almirani, we just heard from Zach Osterman from Indie Star, as well as Sam King from the Journal and Courier that talked about Purdue basketball. We're going to kick it out shortly here to. Mr. Brett Rump at the Bluffton Sectional. Remember the post game show right after that game will take place somewhere around 10 ish there at the Pizza Hut. Come on by, see us, say hello. Remember tomorrow, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Robert Morris will be on stream only on 1380, The Fan, Michigan State, Purdue, Saturday at 7 pregame on WoWo 92.3. And remember, if you miss any of these shows, down. Any episode for free on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple, Spotify, and more, because that's where Adam does such a great job. Follow us on Twitter at 1380TheFan. I am at CoachGriff55Adam. I appreciate your help today, baby. Absolutely, my friend. Keeping me in between the white lines and everything. To all those out there that took their time to listen today, thank you. And have a great and safe weekend as we send it out to Mr. Brett Rump. Out in Bluffton to get ready for the Bluffton sectional. All right here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM.